just like that. Well, good morning and welcome to our Christmas series called Give This Christmas Away. Or actually, to be more specific, it is actually to give this Christ away. And so we're looking at these various beautiful truths of hope and peace and joy and love. But if the truth be known, they actually find all their source and ultimate completion in none other than the greatest gift, Jesus Christ himself. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said? Oh, amen. But you know what? Most people don't know they need Jesus. Most people just kind of move on through their lives, recognizing I'm living life just like everybody else is. However, when people get up in a place in life where they feel hopeless, all of a sudden there's a need. And if we're attuned and if we're aware, we can encourage them to find their hope in the person who only can give them the hope they're looking for, Jesus Christ. Or maybe somebody lacks peace or harmony in relationships or they're anxious all the time. Guess what? There is a place where you can find peace and his name is? That's it. And so on and so forth. If you lack a sense of joy or a sense of happiness or a sense of wholeness in this life, guess what? He can be found in a person and his name is? That's it. And then ultimately acceptance and love is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you throughout this Christmas season as we seek to give this Christ away to encourage people to join you as you come here. Maybe they're, a little, they're lacking hope or peace or joy or love, and we can talk about that. And they will discover that all that they've been looking for all this time is found in a person, and his name is Jesus. So, along those lines, uh, we have uh, given you these Sundays that we're getting together, encouraging to grab onto people and bring them with you. Maybe you've done that today. Awesome if you have. Uh, if you're new with us today, I'm glad you're here. I hope today will speak to you in a very special way. Uh, but if not, we have a couple of more weeks. And I just want to tell you that when we get to next week on Joy, December the 13th, we're going to have so much fun. Uh, we're just going we're, we're gonna to do some crazy stuff, and we're going to do some cool things, and I'm going to invite a few people to join me, and we're, it's just going to be a great day. So uh, if, if you're looking for somebody who's looking for joy in life, uh, invite them next Sunday. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, but also, we do have these things called Christmas Eve services coming up, and we do have a couple of opportunities. At 5 o'clock, our family theater, uh, we will be selling tickets and popcorn, actually giving away tickets and popcorn. Kids will come in, whole families will come in, and we'll have the evening together watching uh, the VeggieTales story about St. Nicholas, which actually takes place on Christmas Eve and talks about giving away this Christmas. So it ties in beautifully with our theme. And then also at, at 8 o'clock, we will be having a traditional Christmas service with bells and carols and choir and all kinds of cool things, the lighting of the candles, and the theme this year is light. And we'll discover how Jesus is that light that we all long for and seek. So, some opportunities given to you to help give this Christ away. We are trying to create the environments for you to connect loved ones and friends into. So we're trying to do our part. I hope that we can count on you to do your part to at least invite. Um, you can't make anybody come, but please do. Take the time to invite. So as we make our way through these wonderful gifts that God has extended to all of us at great personal expense through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, God wants us to grab each one of these wonderful truths and open them by faith, enjoy them personally, and give them to others. And today we're going to talk about this wonderful truth, this wonderful aspect called peace. Peace. 
One syllable, five letters, and you have to say it slowly to make it sound right. It is peace. Say that with me. Peace. Now you can draw it out, draw it out, draw it out, draw it out. Draw it out. Okay. One more time. It is peace. Very good. You see, that's what it is. Even the word itself conveys a little bit of the truth that's contained in this beautiful word. The word peace. And as we're going to look at today, it, it is actually the Hebrew word, Hebrew word shalom. And it is a common greeting in the Middle East to say shalom, which means peace to you, wellness and, 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 and well-being be to you. So it is a common greeting where you're always wishing the best for someone. And peace is always what is best for someone. Let me kind of break this out a little bit. Let me kind of draw this out a little bit so that you can see how peace is meant to touch our personal lives and then even on a relational level with others, how peace is meant to work. So draw near as we talk about peace and shalom. So as we begin, peace, peace on a personal level is freedom of the mind and the heart. It is freedom of the mind and heart from annoyance and distraction, from anxiety and obsession. True peace or shalom makes all of the mind monkeys whose swinging spider monkeys go from synapsis to synapsis to synapsis and are screaming in our brains all the time. It shuts them up. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. Freedom of mind and heart from anxiety and obsession. Peace is also a sense of tranquility. A sense of tranquility and serenity. Looking at this image, beautiful, so beautiful. And you can see the sand? That sand is really warm. And right now, you can take your shoes off and dig your toes into that nice, soft sand and feel it coming between your toes. Isn't that a great feeling? Great feeling. This is peace. It's serenity. It is tranquility. It's relaxing. Peace is also, if you will, a state of stillness, a state of well-being and of wholeness. It is where you take a deep breath and you let it out slowly. Do that with me, would you? Take a nice deep breath. Deep, deep, deep. Keep going deep. Let it out slowly. One more time. Deep breath. anxiety and obsession from annoyance and distraction. This is peace on a personal level. This is shalom. Now let's talk a little bit about how peace is meant to work in our relational world as we look at the reality that peace is an agreement between antagonists bringing an end to hostilities. No more fighting. No more hurtful words. No more pain no more distance in relationships. Can you think of a relationship in your life right now where you wish there were this sense of peace, this sense of nearness, this sense of 
beauty in relationship. Peace is indeed freedom from strife in relationships. It is, it is, it is this sense that things are now well again, that we are whole again, that we are one again. It is where forgiveness rules and reigns. It is a place where people are close. Wholeness and harmony are what characterize the relationships in our lives. In the Bible, in the Bible, peace, shalom, in a very real way, is a sense of being complete, of being fulfilled, of being whole. Your inner and outer worlds are now united. How many want peace? Oh my gosh. Just that sense of beauty personally and that beauty in relationships. It's so powerful. It is so, so powerful. And it's the kind of thing that God wants to gift us with, that God wants to give us. And the truth of the matter is this, and I love this verse from John chapter 14. This can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 14. I am leaving you with a gift. Now, a gift is something that is extended to you that if you will but receive and open and enjoy, you can have. I'm leaving you with a gift, and the gift is this, a peace of mind and heart and the peace that I give you as a gift that the world can't give. We are looking everywhere for this sense of well-being. We're looking everywhere for this sense of, 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 of wholeness or freedom from anxiety or distraction or obsession or, or hostilities. We're trying to find a way to make life work. And life will not work apart from Jesus Christ. I'm sorry to say, it just doesn't work apart from the person of Jesus Christ. And that is because Jesus Christ is the only one who can give you peace. See, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about. If you went back to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, this wonderful verse of Scripture, Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Jesus Christ was ever born in Bethlehem. And notice what he said. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. In other words, he's going to be the foundation stone of everything. And he will be called, say it with me, he will be called the... All together now. All together now. And the last one is? Bingo! He is the Prince of Peace. This is who he is. This is what he does. He is the one who gives us peace. Now let's see. What do I have over here? Every week there's something a little different in here. Ah. Uh, it says from Jesus with love. And it's for you. You see, the word here in the Hebrew that we are looking at, Prince of Peace, is this word. It is pronounced sar, sar, with that little hyphen, shalom. Sar, shalom. Now, we've already talked a little bit about what shalom is. Wellness, uh, well-being, a wholeness, completeness. It is a greeting given to people expecting that the best of life will be given to them. So Jesus is the sar shalom. The little Hebrew word sar is a very interesting word. It's actually used in other uh, languages to describe certain people. 
So, there was a day in which Jesus was born, and he was born into the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire had a ruler called, I beg your pardon? Caesar. Caesar. You see, over the uh, Latin world, the primary leader, Caesar Augustus, and all of these Caesars, they were Sars, which meant they were the rulers, the commanders over a realm. And so not only is that true in the Latin for uh, Rome and and that area of the Roman world, but it's also true in Russia. Back in the day, they used to have rulers called the Sars. Sars, same idea, same word. They were the primary leader and ruler over a people group, over a realm. The Sars had ultimate sway and power. And then in the German. There's also a, 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 a word that they used for their primary leaders back in the day. And they were called Kaisars, Kaisers, Kaisers. It's the same word, Sar, 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 Sar. In each of these things, whether it was in the Latin world or in Russia or uh, over the area of Germany, these were the final potentates. These were the chief leaders. These were the rulers. These were the people who held a sway over a kingdom. And with that in mind, Jesus is the Sar of peace. Are you looking for peace? Do you want peace? There's only one who is the ruler of peace. There is only one who can ultimately give you peace, and he is the only potentate over peace. He is the supreme leader of peace. He is the king of contentment, the keeper of tranquility, the captain of rest. He is the prince of peace, and his name is Jesus. There's no other way. No other way to experience this beauty in our lives other than in and through Jesus Christ. Now, let me see if I can uh, make this a little plainer about how it's meant to work. This is kind of puny, and I can't really put it over my head very well, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to just take this, and I'm just going to kind of throw it up on here. Here we go. So this is the word, Sar Shalom. The reflection in English is actually Sar Shalom in English, Hebrew actually reads the opposite direction, so this reflection actually works perfectly. Sar Shalom. So, I want peace, well-being, tranquility, contentment. I want this. Then how do I get this? There's only one way. It is by coming and placing yourself under the ruler the prince, the commander of peace. And it's when we come in under his rule, under his reign, under his leadership in our lives, the result in our lives is peace. In fact, this is what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom is God's realm in this world, and ultimately that realm will extend to the entire world. But right now it is something that is extending to individuals, And so it says this, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, and what's the word? And joy in the Holy Spirit. So if you want peace, if you want contentment, if you want well-being, there's only one way to get that, and that is to position yourself under the realm and the rule of the person of Jesus Christ. Then you will know peace in your life. That's how this works. That's how this works. It's the only way this works. Okay, so let's uh, kind of talk a little bit about the kind of peace that Jesus Christ wants to give us. Uh, Jesus Christ actually wants to give us three forms of peace. We're going to work through these very quickly. 
one of the forms of peace that he wants to give us is something called peace with God. Another kind of peace that he wants to provide for us is something called the peace of God. And then ultimately, Christ is going to provide us with peace on earth. And all God's people said, oh my gosh, yeah, the day is coming. The day is coming. The day is coming where this brutal, crazy world will be brought under the subjugation of Jesus Christ and the Prince of Peace will bring peace on this earth. Okay, so the first kind of peace we're going to look at briefly uh, is this idea of shalom, peace, well-being, wholeness in our spirits or in our relationship with the living God. And so it says this in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith in Jesus Christ, we have what? You're not following with me. We have, thank you, with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Now, right now, in our midst, maybe it's you, you're looking for peace. You're looking for this sense of assurance that you're okay with God. You're looking for this sense that, hey, you know what? Uh, I carry a burden with me, a burden of guilt, and, and I'm not sure what to do with it. And I've tried different things. Maybe you're, you've been in a place where things were just really bad, and you know that maybe you've done something really bad, and, and, and maybe you're just throwing a quick prayer up to the big guy in the sky, you know? Hey, hey oh, God, forgive me. And, 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 but the burden doesn't seem to get dealt with. You, you continue to carry the sense of you're not sure where you're at in relationship to God. Maybe uh, you're one of those people who just really feels like the entire cosmos, the universe as a whole, has been arrayed against you personally, and no matter what you seek to do in life, it just doesn't work. I could ask for a show of hands, and maybe you would say, oh my gosh, you've been watching my life, haven't you, Pastor Bill? Because you just feel like everything is against you. And no matter what you do, you can't seem to get a lifting of this burden off your life. You know, you, you'll, you'll try to turn over a new leaf, maybe do some good things, become a better person, because you really want to be in a good place. But you still continue to feel that same weight of conscience. And so maybe, maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you've said, you know what? God, I, I just really need to be sure that I'm okay. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to start by going to church. I'm going to go to church because church is where God is at, right? <laughs> God is everywhere, by the way. Yes, no. He happens to be here too. It's not that he's not here, but he happens to be here too. And we happen to focus in on him through his word and time of worship. So the presence of God is often more sweetly felt in a place like this. But God is everywhere present. But you came here because you can't seem to shake this sense that there's something more. I'm lacking something. I don't have peace. And there seems to be distance in this relationship with God. Can I just say, all the things, whether it be prayer or doing good or becoming a better person or going to church, those are good things. I would never dissuade you from doing them. Excellent things. But they don't deal with the issue. They won't solve the problem that exists between you and God. And the separation that you feel, this, this distance that seems to, to be so tangible to you, uh, it is real. And it is there. And the reality is it is there because of something called sin. It is sin that the Bible says separates us between God and us. In fact, the Bible actually declares it's not just a separation, there's an act of hostility. 
between our hearts and God. And that is why there's such disquietness in us. That's why we don't feel right. That's why things just don't seem to be adding up. That's why things don't seem to be working out. Because we're actually in open hostility against God. And the problem is one of sin. Now, to help kind of hit this home, to kind of help make this more real to us, uh, I, I want to play a little game with you. Now, if you play my games, we're good. If you don't play my games, I'm going to come down and point you out, okay? So that's just a, a, a threat. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> okay, here we go. There's a, a wonderful man of God by the name of Ray Comfort. And Ray Comfort has this little process called the way, uh, the way of the master. Thank you. The way of the master. And what he does is he likes to pose certain questions to people to help kind of bring awareness to them of where they're at in their relationship with God. And so what I'm going to do is use a few of his questions and pose them to us, and we're just going to kind of interact around these questions. And so um, the first question is this. How many here have ever lied? If you have lied, extend your hand as high as you can. If you're a really big liar, extend both. If there's a person nearby who is not extending their hand, turn and look at them and say, you big fat liar, you, okay? Okay, so it seems like we're all in the same wavelength here. It seems like we're all lifting up our hands, not holy hands, but, but uh, dirty hands of lies. So yeah, so we're all liars. That's just the reality of the situation. Okay, we're, we're getting somewhere together. Keep playing my game with me. Here we go. Second question. How many of you have ever stolen something? Raise your hand. Okay, okay, yep. Now, you keep your hand up, and I'm going to add some hands to our midst, okay? I'm going to define stealing. Here we go. Have you ever stolen time from an employer? Oh, there's a hand that goes up. Two more hands go up. Okay. Have you ever stolen an object from... Have you ever stolen credit for something? Have you ever stolen money from the government by not paying full taxes? Oh, look at all the other hands go up. <laughs> Have you ever stolen a tithe from God? Yeah, look around. Look around. Look around. Okay, so far we have come to the realization that we're all liars and we're all thieves. Okay, so far so good. Okay, here's the last one. If you have ever actually lusted at somebody, uh, would you please identify yourself? This is so embarrassing. I don't want to even look. <laughs> the truth of the matter is simply this. Jesus said, if you've ever looked on a person to lust after them or desire to have them, that you are guilty of adultery. Oh, my goodness. Do you realize what we have just confessed publicly to one another in these last few moments? We have confessed that everybody in this space right now is a liar, a thief, and an adulterer. Congratulations. Welcome to Grace, where we want you to feel really good about yourself. <laughs> so, with this truth in mind, let me ask you a question. So, if God were to judge you based upon simply the Ten Commandments, would you be innocent or would you be guilty? I beg your pardon? One more time. We did three. That's right. Actually, Ten Commandments, guilty, 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 guilty. So why is it I sense this distance between me and God? Why do I have this sense of guilt? Because you're guilty. That's the reality that we have to come to. Thank you, Mr. Comfort, for giving us these questions. They're not very comforting. How did a man like that ever get a name Comfort? I don't know. But this is the reality. 
We are separated from God. We are isolated from God. And hence, the sense of guilt we feel is real. The sense of distance we experience is real. It's because we're guilty. And sin needs to be dealt with. And there's only one way to deal with it. It's not praying. It's not doing good. It's not becoming a better person. It's not by coming to church. There is only one way. And that's God's way that sin has to be dealt with. I love this verse that comes to us from Leviticus. Leviticus is how God taught his Old Testament people, Israel, to properly come before him. And I'd like you to notice what this verse says, Leviticus chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. This is how sin was dealt with in the nation of Israel. It says, and when they became aware of the sin they committed, uh, yet they were liars, they were thieves, they were adulterers, when they became aware of the sin they committed, the assembly must now bring a young bull as a sin offering and present it before the Lord at the tent of meeting. This was the gathering place of the people of God and the dwelling place of God. The elders of the community then are to lay their hands on the bull's head before the Lord. This is conveying their sin to this animal. And then the bull will be slaughtered before the Lord. The anointed priest then will bring some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle of meeting, which is where the presence of God dwelt. And he shall dip his finger into the blood and sprinkle it before the Lord seven times in front of the curtain. In this way, the priest will make at atonement for them, and they will be... What's the word? Okay, so we've identified all of us as sinners, and our relationship with God is breached because of sin. And so what I want you to do is this week, I want you to go out and I want you to buy a ball. Or a goat or, or a ram. You, you, you choose whatever animal you wish. I want you to buy an animal, an innocent animal, a spotless animal. And next week, I would like you to bring it here with you. And then what we are going to do is we are going to sacrifice all of these animals in your presence. How many are going to be here next week? Three. Okay, yeah, people want the meat. Yeah, I know. No, 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 no. Aren't you glad we don't have to do this anymore? Aren't you just rejoicing that we don't have to smell the stench of burning hair and listen to the bleats of innocent dying animals or watch the blood go down people's arms because of their need to have sin dealt with? There was a day where John the Baptist was standing in the River Jordan. He looked up, and at a distance he saw Jesus Christ coming to him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so today, the innocent one who bears the weight of our guilt that we communicate to them by putting our hand on them, the innocent one today is none other than the Son of God himself. He became our sacrifice. The soul that sins, it shall die. So rather than striking us dead, God put our sin and guilt on his son, and there he killed his own son for you and for me. Because God loves us. And there is no other way. No other way. Again, the Bible says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Hallelujah. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've all lied, we've all cheated, we've all stolen, we've all done all these awful things. And yet, 
The Bible says this, and each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity, the sin of us all. And there on the cross, Jesus Christ dealt with the guilt of our sin to bring us peace. Again, 1 John 2, 2 says this, he himself is the sacrifice that atones or makes right, uh, atones for our sins to make us right with God but not only our sins, but for the sins of the whole world. The Bible, again, speaks so clearly. It says this, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we might be made right with God through Christ. The Prince of Peace, the Potentate of Peace, the ruler of tranquility, the one who can make us well and content and complete, died for us to make a way for us to have peace with God. So what is our part in all of this arrangement? What are we supposed to do? Am I supposed to go to church? Am I supposed to be a good person? Am I supposed to you know, overcome my own sinfulness so that I can be better to other people? Am I supposed to turn over a new leaf? Am I supposed to pray? Well, actually, um, no. What you're supposed to do is simply this. For it is by God's grace. This is the free action and gift of God that you have been saved through what? That's the medium. That's the only part we play in this whole, whole aspect is we put our faith and our trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So how do I have peace with God? How do hostilities get uh, quelched? How, how, do, how, do, how does God get appeased? Jesus did it. Jesus did it. And if you want to experience peace, you need to come to the Prince of Peace. And you need to humble yourself. And the Bible uses words like repentance, which means to turn from our sinful way, from our way, our life, our desires, to turn from those and by faith to embrace the person of Jesus Christ with our hearts and our minds, a commitment to love him and follow him. When we do this, we are given the gift of peace with God. You know, um, since I'm already down in this position and I don't plan to come back here again, uh, now's probably a good time. If you're here today and you're not sure of where you stand with God, probably an awful good time for you to get on the knees of your heart and you confess to the Lord how much you need peace. Peace with God through Jesus' sacrifice. So right now, I just want to invite everybody to just simply bow your head right now. Uh, again, God is here. He is in our midst. And as we bow our heads in his presence, if, if you're not sure you are right with God, if you're not sure that you have been forgiven of your sin if you're not assured of your sense of, of being in a right relationship with the living God of the universe, use this moment. Use this moment to make it right. Right now, in the heart of hearts, you can talk to God. And maybe it would be something like this. I want to encourage you that if these words are yours, then 
pray them along with me. Dear God, I am a liar, I am a thief, and I am an adulterer. Dear God, I'm a sinner. And my sin separates me from you, and I have felt it all my life. Right now, in this moment, I realize that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and that he took my sin, and you judged it in him. You took my guilt, guilty, 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 and you judged it in him. And right now, dear God, I come, turning from my life and my sin, to embrace your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Prince of Peace. I wrap my arms around him by faith, and I desire to know him more and more as each day passes. Help me, O oh God, to grow in this relationship with Jesus. I commit these things to you now, in Jesus' wonderful name. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. By submitting ourselves to he who rules, we find peace. Peace with God. But let's move on quickly and talk about uh, another kind of peace uh, that Sar Shalom wants to give to us. Oh, by the way, if, if you prayed recently in that, that prayer, I just want to give you this truth. Now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ, for he is your what? He is my peace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Shalom in our spirits, in a right relationship with God, the peace, uh, peace with God. And now let's talk a little bit about shalom in our hearts. This is the ongoing realization of God's peace and presence in my life. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in our hearts. You know, I just want to say this, and I'm, trying to, I'm going to try to splice theologically a, a, a bit of a terminology here just so we don't get things con confused. If you have come into relationship with the living God through his son Jesus Christ by faith alone in Christ alone, I want you to understand that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You will never bear the guilt of your sin for all eternity because Christ paid that price for you. So there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Having said that, I want to move over here. For those of us who do have a relationship with God where condemnation has been dealt with in the sacrifice of Christ, I just want to say this, that there is still consequence for sin. There is still consequence for our choices in this life. And while we have peace with God, you can lose the sense of God's peace in your heart and the sense of his presence in your life if you willingly choose to wander down your own path. So if you're a believer here today, as you analyze your own heart, do you lack peace? Do you lack a sense of wholeness? Do you lack a sense of tranquility? Do you lack a sense of God's presence in your life? There's a reason. There is a reason, and let me illustrate it for you. 
It is as we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Notice, for the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. It's as we willingly position our lives under the rule and the reign of the person of Jesus Christ in our lives that we experience the ongoing sense of the peace with God, peace of God in our lives, and the ongoing sense of his presence in our lives. Practically speaking, that means this. It's as we walk in accordance with his will and his word, according to the way of Christ, his lordship over us, we have peace. And I don't care what comes your way. I don't care what assails you. I don't care what the Father brings into your life to prune you and to grow you and to challenge you. You will have a peace that will pass all understanding, that will garrison about your hearts and your minds, because this is what Christ gives to the people who live under his rule. But it's when we wander off into our own way, when we come out from under his leadership, when we come out from under his headship, when we come out from under his rule, and we want to do our own thing in life, you know, um, you can, you can play, a, play around sexually with folks, uh, gals with guys and guys with gals, and today any way you want. You can go off and do that kind of stuff, but let me tell you this, you're not going to have the peace of God in your life. And you're going to have a, a growing sense of the loss of his presence in your life. And I really believe God uses that sense of loss to chasten us back to him. I really think God does that in our lives in a loving way to bring us home. To tell us our way is still the way of death. The way that we're going is an unfruitful way. And so we can choose to live our own way, but you're going to sacrifice peace. And you're going to suffer the consequences that go with the choices that you choose to make. So another thing, you know, maybe we get this credit card and, and we start swiping it. And we're swiping it. And now today I've got one of those dumb chip cards. You stick it in there and you wait 10 minutes for it to pop back at you. Okay, here we go. And so you keep using it. And if you live outside of the realm of the money that God has given you, if you willfully purpose to do what you want and live beyond your means, don't expect to have God's peace. You know, God and I, we're good. No, you're not. Because you're no longer under the rule of Christ. You're no longer under his headship in your life. How do I know? Because those who love God keep his commandments. And if you want to experience the peace of God, let me show you how you do that. Just as we knelt here before the cross to find peace with God, so too with Jesus Christ in an ongoing way. Much of our lives is this process of repentance and faith. Repentance and faith. Confession of sin and faith. Oh God, forgive me. I've chosen my own path. Lord, please Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Come back with your presence and your peace in my heart. I long for it, Father. I long for it, Jesus. I want to live in a way that honors you. This is how we find the restored peace and presence of Christ in our lives. It's when we position ourselves actively under his rule, actively under his reign, in our hearts and in our lives, by keeping his word, which is his way through this life. So maybe you will have peace with God. I sure hope so. I want that more for you than you know. But I also want for you, dear child of God, I 
want you to enjoy his peace and his presence in an ongoing way. And that can't happen unless there is daily confession and there is a daily re-embracing of the person of Christ and a desire to follow him in obedience. This is the truth. And I want so much for you to enjoy this shalom, this well-being, this joy that your Savior has purchased at great cost for you to enjoy. To help you with that, now I'm going to just push through a few verses here. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done, and then you will experience God's, that's right, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you, what's the word? As you, in Christ Jesus. Not live your way, but live in Him, under His rule, under His lordship in your life. Here's another verse uh, from Isaiah. Uh, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, those whose thoughts are fixed on you. To encourage you along these ways, to help you maintain this relationship with Jesus in a healthy way, I again want to highlight that January 1, 2016, we're going to start this one-year Bible reading. Uh, Maybe you have your own readings. That's fine. I want to encourage you. If you have a a holy habit that you've established and is healthy, go for it. Don't, Don't let us trip you up. Don't let us hold you up. But if you don't have this holy habit established in your lives where every day you meet with a person of Christ through his word to hear what he has to say, to live in obedience to him, then we want to help you do that. That's what this is all about. It's not just to Get a prize because you got through the Bible as though it's some kind of race you win. Oh, no, it's nothing about that at all. It's about a person you enjoy every day through his word. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Again, next week we're going to have a whole bunch more Bibles out there for you to purchase. They're $10 a piece. Uh, We want to all hit the ground running January 1, 2016. And by the way, if you would like to just use the U version, you can do it on your computer, uh, an iPad, your cell phone, whether it's an Android or an iPhone. Uh, There's multiple ways to get a hold of this. So Jesus Christ gives the gift of peace with God when we embrace him with our lives and find him to be our Savior. Jesus Christ gives us peace in our hearts and an ongoing experience of him as we recognize his lordship over our lives. And then lastly, and I'll end with this, I'll talk to you a little bit about shalom in our world. The day is coming. The day is coming, Romans 16 and verse 20, where the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. The day is coming when Jesus Christ is going to return to this war-torn, sin-cursed earth where there is nothing but hatred and pain and suffering and fracture and broken relationships, exactly the opposite of shalom. And the Prince of Peace will bring peace to this earth. That day is coming soon and very soon. The Bible says this in Revelation 20, And then the devil who has deceived so many will be thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, where they will be tormented day and night forever and ever, along with those who follow them. But then I saw, Revelation 21 and verse 1, but then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth have now disappeared. And all God's people said, let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for the gift of peace which is found in Jesus Christ. 
And Lord, right now I pray in our midst, some people need peace with God through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And I pray that you would hit that home to them to bend the knee, to acknowledge their need of Jesus, to begin this walk in relationship. But Father, there's also a number of us present today who have been living our lives our own way. Uh, At one point in our lives, we bent the knee to Jesus, but since then we've been doing our own thing and we've been suffering the consequences of it so, so tangibly. And I pray even right now, Lord, that different individuals would recognize their need to come back under the headship of Christ, come back to that place in their lives where Jesus rules, where Jesus Christ himself guides them through his word. Father, many of us need that. I pray today would be the day that we would acknowledge our need. And then lastly, Lord, I look forward to the day where Jesus Christ himself will split the clouds and come back to this world, and he will extend his kingdom to wrap all around this globe, and the Prince of Peace will rule on his throne, and it will be a time of righteousness and beauty and joy. Even so, come.